And a very good evening to you from the locker room. This is Indy Live Radio, and this is, uh, you would say, a European special. Um, we're doing the show straight after the Celtic game tonight, and uh, a couple of hours later, um, earlier, sorry, the, the Rangers game was on, and um, a mixed bag tonight for the Oakham teams in Europe. Joined by my wonderful co-host again, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Hi. Uh, do you know it's quite funny? Because normally, or we'd like to think in a few months' time, we'd be doing a European special from outside or inside Celtic Park or Ibrook Stadium. But instead, we're sitting in yeah. our pyjamas, drinking cocoa. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the football. Yeah, oh, and doing doing my nothing. Um, well, I was doing my nothing. I don't know fuck it. So yeah, um, busy show as always. Um, so you're listening to Indie Live Rego on a Friday night, even though we are recording this on a Friday night, looking back at the European games. So we'll come on to we'll come on to speak about the eight o'clock game in a minute, the Celtic game. But first up, let's speak about Rangers, uh, a good away win, 2 the one. Yeah, I mean, it's quite good talking about it straight after the game because it's still quite raw in your mind. Um, and the Rangers game, actually, it was one of those games that you were glad you watched, I must admit, because uh, Rangers were, I think, at their best. Obviously, on Saturday, we'll come on to that, they were... I think they were by miles a better team and I think this, this that sort of form continued into tonight where early on they got a penalty. I think uh, Tavenier scored uh, the penalty from a handball um, from one of the Lee Edge's de- uh, sort of defenders. So the, the sort of goals got, uh, the goal early on got Rangers moving um, and they looked quite comfortable although I know that Standard Lee Edge did have a chance, a few chances. They hit the bar twice um, there was a chance at the end, I think, that the ball got stuck under the guy's foot and it rolled away. So, Standard Ledge did have their chances, but I thought Rangers kind of looked in control. Like I said, Tavernier got an earliest penalty that settled the nerves a little bit. But, I mean, the game kind of will be remembered for two things. One, the pouring down rain. I don't think I've seen rain like it uh, oh. for a while. <laughs> um, the pitch kind of looked like a swimming pool by the end of it, um, which kind of created... It, it kind of obviously limited the chances. Um, and like I said, Standard Lage had the chance where the ball kind of just slithered under the guy's foot. Um, but he had a pretty good chance to score. Um, but the second thing that comes to mind, obviously, given the, that the pitch was so heavy, was Ruth probably scored one of the greatest goals I've seen for a while. Um, he got the ball kind of, I think, just out sort of round about in the middle of the halfway line, went on a bit of a run. Um, got to the halfway line and when he got to the halfway line I thought well that's quite good that he's wasted a bit of time um, he's held the ball up well he might keep going to the sort of towards the edge of the pitch to waste some more time and then out the ball he just hit it mm-hmm. and you're thinking that was a bit strange and then the ball cur- curled in the air over the keeper straight in the back of the net Beckham-esque um, actually I think it was probably better than Beckham's goal the way yeah, it scored in there yeah I was just there. going to say that um, um, I'm thinking of Beckham hmm. oh definitely it did look like a bad team say that was better because Beckham mm. kind of had it straight and it flew over was it um, Sullivan that was in goal that day he kind of had it straight and it went over this ball he hit on the run running sort of towards the um the sort of touchline, but put a bit of a bend on it, so it curled through the air, uh, right over the keeper's head. It was just a classic goal um, to end what was a decent performance from Rangers. And um, I think after the game, after the the goal, he celebrated as he usually does. I think it was nearly bang on the end of the game. He celebrated as he usually does. I think he celebrates his kids or his kids' name. Um, but Standardly Edge didn't take too kindly to that, and there was a bit of a yeah, there was a bit of a fight after the game. <laughs> yeah, a bit of handbags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you had. It made me think it was like it was like a scene out of Star Wars. All these guys with masks, you know, trying to <laughs> fight each other. You know, it's really strange. You know, um, but. Yeah, it was a weird, weird way to end the game. Um, it was a, a weird way to end that. Um, but overall, 
again, I don't have anything but good things to say about Rangers. I think they're they're just continuing the good form and they look solid at the back. Uh, they look they do their job in midfield and up front again. They look dangerous. And, so, and I mean, you must say that's another away win uh, first and foremost, but another one that they've not conceded any goals as well. Yeah, and like I said, there wasn't. I mean, they did. Standard Ledge did look like uh, didn't look like they were going to score. I mean, they did have a couple of chances to hit the bar twice, but Rangers had that game under control, and I don't think there was ever a point in the ninety minutes where I thought Rangers were in trouble. Um, no, and yeah. I, I and I kind of felt the same way when they played Celtic, obviously on Saturday. Uh, they're just they they do enough mm-hmm. to to get the result done. But they do it in a way that's, I think, controlled and organised. And I think Rangers definitely are the best organised team in Scotland at the moment. And they're proving that away from home and um, th- as well th- in Europe. I think I only saw the second half tonight, Matthew, because of uh, work commitments. I was getting ready for the show, you know. I'm professional and all that. But the, I thought that the second half was like, um, even the Skangig, the the eggs was a bit disappointing but I thought that the park was a kind of like leveller but because of some amount of water it fell in the park and you you must admit Matthew that that makes Scotland out to be a wonderful sunny country when you see the amount of water it was falling <laughs> Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, the, by the end, it looked like they were swimming. <laughs> swimming yeah. Around the pitch. yeah. Um, but, you know, you're right. In some ways, I think the second half was kind of ruined by that. But I think it probably ruined Rangers more than it did standard Liege. Um, mm. But, you know, I, 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 again, that just shows you how good Ruth's goal was. Because the way not only did he get the ball, he kept hold of it. The way he ran with it. Uh, it was hard on that pitch as it was, but also then to go and score the goal he did when the pitch was, like we say, uh, flooded basically. Yeah. Um, was just yeah. was just a bit of class really. Uh, and it's to be honest, it was just one of those things that you're glad you saw. Um, and it's not often you can say a Scottish team did something like that, but that goal will be talked about all over Europe tomorrow. So for one one minute I thought they were playing water polo, uh, Matthew, that <laughs> the part was so late in the second half. Or maybe it was a defender trying to grab out from the back, I'm not sure. Um so let let's move on. Let's move on swiftly from that comment. Um, and speak about the eight o'clock game, Matthew, at Selkirk Park. Selkirk oh, Selkirk get beat three one, but um yeah, so we spoke about this before we came on air, and and I don't know about you, Celtic started the game very well, the first 10, 15 minutes, you would say, and then AC Milan broke up the park and scored, backs, backs to the wall, but much better second half for, from Celtic, but giving away a stupid goal again. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think that against well, the result against Rangers, I think we were all waiting for to we're waiting for the reaction that Celtic were going to give. Um, and like you say, you know, I think it started off the way most Celtic fans would have wanted it to start off. Um, Celtic looked like they were up for it. They were trying. They were there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of pace. There was a lot of fight. Uh, what I would say there was there wasn't a lot of chances created. That's the only thing. There was a lot of running around and um, a lot of battle in them. But they didn't really sh- even in that ten fifteen minutes there wasn't a lot of chances created. And I think that was sort of the way that the game panned out. Um, when AC Milan scored the goal, I think was it, I mean it, it was one of those goals. I think that was quite disappointing again from Celtic's point of view. Yeah, I think very, Celtic could have. It was very cheap, Matthew. Yeah, and I think it was a shame for the young guy in some ways because um, I think really if he was a bit closer to his man, uh, he wouldn't have got the head on it. But obviously, he left them with a little bit of space, and because of that, Celtic uh, AC Milan capitalised to make it one 0 um, The second goal wasn't much better, to be honest. It was again the defence looked in a bit of disarray. Uh, didn't deal with Ibrahimovic didn't deal with anybody really and um, no. AC Milan made it 2-0 uh, the disappointing thing 
after I think the first goal for AC Milan was that I think Celtic kind of it was a heads down job again. You know, they even though they started well, I think the goal kind of just knocked them back into their shell and they never really recovered in the first half. Celtic did and Celtic looked poor. They didn't show any fight. They didn't look like they had any ideas. I would say I thought that. Um, Frimpong and uh, Laxal probably yeah. were the yeah I think those two were the only ones that came out of the first half with any sort of um, plus marks um, but I think part of it again was that and we spoke about it before the Rangers game I think and we spoke about it after was that the three in midfield you know McGregor, Brown and Cham I'm not going to say they're bad players individually as a, for three but I just think together as a three they clearly don't work. They've never really worked together as a three. And I don't see why Lennon persists with, with the McGregor, Brown and Cham midfield because it clearly doesn't work. And they, they seem to be doing all the same jobs. Uh, and I think that leads to then, when Celtic have the ball, it leads to them going sideways. Uh, and when they don't have the ball, I think the three of them push back so much that it invites teams on. Um, so it doesn't work defensively or offensively. But I did think in the second half, I wouldn't even say the change of formation, we were talking about it before. The change of formation, I don't think changed much in essence, especially attacking-wise, because I think Laxal and uh, Frimpong continued to go forward. And again, they continued over the 90 minutes, I think, to be the most consistent on the park. I know I know Taylor came on for Laxal, uh, what was it, about the 70th, 75th minute or whatever it was. But I think over the, the piece, those Laxal and Frimpong were the best players on the park. But I think the thing that changed the game, Christie coming on um, had an impact, but I think the person who changed the game the most was Rogic. Yeah. I think his, his drive to go forward... Uh, getting the ball and not looking to play a sideward or backward pass but playing forward passes all those sorts of things changed the game and Celtic looked a lot happier for it and you could see obviously when Rogic got the ball as well did you notice Frimpong even though he was a wing back in the first half he wasn't getting that far on even as a full back in, in the second half Frimpong was nearly getting to the goal line again trying to get in and about the uh, AC Milan back line and Laxal on the other side was doing the same I just think Rogic and Christie, but especially, like I said, especially Rogic, add something different to that midfield. Um, because when you're playing the three in midfield, the attacking players are become even more important. And when you're playing that midfield three that's pretty flat, your team's flat. But when you have someone like Rogic and Christie who just brings a bit of drive and can turn around and look forward and play forward passes instead of the usual sidewards or backward passes. It changes the dy- dynamic of the game, and Celtic in the second half looked a lot better for it. I mean, you would say it's kind of like if, but, and maybe somebody, you just could say, say that years ago in Scotland. Um, but I think if Celtic Skarky that team that they finished with, I think Celtic would get, maybe get a point out of that game. I, I don't know how, how yeah. you f- feel. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. And I think it was the same with the Rangers one. I mean, I know a lot of it is sort of the talk tomorrow will be all about formations and, you know, ah, they changed the formation and everybody looks happier and all this kind of stuff. But I think a lot of it's personnel. And I think no matter if you're playing a... If you, imagine if you're playing a 4-2-3-1, but most of your team is made up of defensive-minded or... Uh, sort of midfielders in the essence of Brown and Cham and McGregor it's not going to work you kind of need a bit of variety so you know even if you're playing wing backs if you have a McGregor or a Brown as a sitting midfielder but you have someone like Rogic you also have Christie you know I mean somebody like um, anybody with that a t- a sort of a Turnbull you know Turnbull's another one I'm sorry I missed out Turnbull yeah, even if we, you have a Turnbull on we, the side too we've, we've not seen Turnbull for since the international break oh no sorry did he, he came on against Rangers didn't he no he did at the end yeah when it was, yeah. when it was finished but yeah. um, <laughs> I mean even if you had you know McGregor Brown and then Cham I think are like those three, I think, are fine if one of them plays and then your other two midfielders are more attacking thinking. I don't mind that so much. Um, but I do mind when if you're playing a 3-5-2 and three of your midfielders are sitting midfielders 
and none of them really like to look forward. And I know McGregor tends to do that sometimes, but he doesn't seem to do that with Brown and the Chams on the side. Um, I think Celtic's midfield is quite backward looking, and because of that, it invites pressure on. You need a Rogic, you need a, a Christie, you need a Turnbull in there to try and bring a bit of drive and invention to that side because that's what it's missing. You know, no matter what formation you play, if if your best players are not on that pitch, it's not going to work. And I know, I know, I know. I said this came before we it came on it and done the show, Matthew. But if I was a Celtic fan and if Celtic didn't lose a stupid goal at the end, you would have took a two-one defeat. I know that sounds a bit daft coming from. Like a journalist and all that, but like the way Celtic put into that second half, because if you think back to the second half, EC Milan on that one shot goal in the whole second half, and that was a goal, and it was a very, very cheap goal to give away. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that I think was because because Celtic had a lot of the ball second half, mm. because we had, but a lot of that is because we had players on the park who know how to deal with the ball. I mean, when you had the Rangers game, but you also had the first half, you had people like Brown, McGregor and Cham who weren't great on the ball um, and were trying to play sidewards and backward passes. And because of that, it kind of invited AC Milan on a lot more as well. But when you have someone like Rogic and Christie in the, in the midfield, they're actually, and obviously uh, Frimpol and Laxal were enjoying that as well a lot more because they could push up knowing that they were more likely to get the ball. I think it meant that even when Celtic were losing the ball in the second half, it was a lot further up the park than it would have been if Brown, McGregor and Cham were still playing midfield. Yeah. Um, so AC Milan didn't create as much, but I think um, you know, I think it was a sucker punch at the end. Um yeah, I just think, yeah. you know, I think Celtic were still trying to push on and get the equaliser, and you know these things happen. Two one with a few minutes to go, you know, it's not the first time that will happen, and it certainly won't be the last time. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It was it was more like you know we're upbeat, we're upbeat, we've got a chance, and then you know they just put the final nail in the coffin right at the end. I mean, when um, you when you think about it, my view. When you when you when you kind of get digress the game and and all that's what we're trying to do here <laughs> and 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 all that, but when you when you think about it, Celtic actually started the game well, okay, uh, fifteen minutes lost a stupid goal, then they played well in the second half, and the game Celtic still had a chance to equalise because it was two one at the time. And then they lost a stupid goal right at the end. So what I'm saying is Celtic really played well in like the the middle part of the game, if that kind of makes sense. And uh, I would sorry, they played well at the beginning of each half very well, but just giving stupid goals away again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Celtic, there's there's something. I mean, we were speaking about this off there. I think if this game had happened and Rangers had happened in isolation, say, say Celtic had had a really good season up to this point and then we've had a bit of a stinker of a week with Rangers and AC Milan, you could almost accept that more a little um, a little bit, not all fully, but a little bit you could accept mm. it more. But Celtic have not been at their best all season. Um, and even though they've been picking up wins uh, in Euro the odd time in Europe and the odd time in the league and you know they've, they've done okay results-wise... Uh, this, I think these sets of results have been coming. Um, mm -hmm. the, the way we played against Rangers didn't surprise me. The way we sort of played tonight didn't surprise me. And if you say, I mean, our two biggest games are, are, are for Celtic, our biggest the games of the season um, that Celtic have had, they've been uh, Fennec Varos, um, say, and Rangers. And each time Celtic mm -hmm. have come away with, with defeats, um, mm -hmm. And I think this is just a bit of a malaise this season. For ten for a ten in a row season, there's a bit of malaise around the club. And I think after the Ferenc Varos game, Lennon came out and said, well, you know, it's a bit disappointing. Players want away. If they want away, just go and all this kind of stuff. And I, nobody really focused on that at the time so much. And it kind of disappeared because Celtic were still winning games. But now I think people are looking back and think, well, there's obviously a bigger problem behind the scenes than what we know about. And, mm. you know, 
you know, for Celtic to look across the city at Rangers and to see them, I mean, the side that Rangers have on paper isn't as good as Celtics. I would say that. But what I would say is Rangers are a far superiorly tactical and trained and coached team. And because of that, they made Celtic look a bit like mugs on Saturday. And it's, you know, it's sort of continued in that vein tonight a little bit. I, I don't know if Lennon knows his best team. I think some of the best players at Celtic have in the team, Lennon's kind of ostracised. I mean, we were talking about Rogic tonight. He was nearly out the door a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at Lennon, at Lennon's Hest, you know, he tried to sell him, but now he kind of looks like he needs him. Um, so I think there's just something behind the scenes that isn't clicking right. And then, like I said, when you look across the city at Rangers, they've got a well-drilled unit. They know what they're doing. They know what their jobs are. Um, and they stick to it. And then you look at Celtic and Lennon doesn't even know his best team, let alone his best formation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's back to uh, domestic football for both half, halves of the old firm on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, not Saturday, Sunday. Um, Rangers at home to Robinson Celtic. I think they've got the clip, uh, I think they've got the Hargis game uh, on paper. Uh, but we again, we don't know what team Aberdeen uh, is going to turn up, even though they, they had a good one and make week against Hamilton by 4-2. Uh, the other games on Saturday, uh, Kamalk, Hibs, Motherwell, Ross County, St. Johnson, Dundee United, St. Mirren, Hamilton, and now as we as we recording this show, Matthew, <laughs> I think the St. Mirren game is still on, but that could be off because, don't know you, you heard the other today, um, a few more St. Mirren players has been tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I feel sorry for St. Mirren. I mean, they seem to be having very hard luck with this COVID thing. But, you know, I think it's the nature of the of the beast with COVID-19 is that, you know, once this thing gets into, I mean, a wide, more widely community, but in this case, a football club. But obviously, once it gets into a community or a football club or a place to work or anywhere like that, it kind of spreads like wildfire. Um, yeah, yeah. And that seems to be happening in St. Mirren. I mean, I know their game was called off last week. Um, and obviously, I mean, I, I, I just can't see this game going ahead. And I think, like we said last week, you know, from a football point of view, yeah, it should go ahead. But, you know, from a public health point of view, you know, in a wider sense, it takes a bit of a lockdown to clear this thing. St. Mirren should just be locked down until the thing's gone in, in their training camp. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, well, you can keep me right here, Matthew, because old memories go on some, sometimes. <laughs> but am I, am I right in saying St. Mirren has, like, three games in hand? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, by the time we get to March, they might have played five games, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so. that- There'll be a hell of a fixture pile up come April. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, gonna, it's not going to be healthy for any of the other teams as well. No, and I like how we use the word healthy there um, yeah. to describe the situation. Very healthy um, show, this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm coughing and spluttering away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I but think... It, um, but it's okay. It's okay. Matthew's okay. My <laughs> coffee went down the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean St Mirren I think it's a, like I said it's a shame for them I think they just need to you know if, for, if it was up to me and come on kind of similar thing you know you just have mm. to shut the thing down isolate clear it out um, and keep going you know I don't obviously St Mirren don't have European football or anything like that to get in the way so apart unless apart from you know Celtic and Rangers games um, St Mirren can hammer out you know the fixtures probably in midweek and things like that. Yeah. So I or, think you know. Or maybe, or maybe the other thing they could do is because that the SPFL or no, I wasn't the SPFL. Um, in the League Cup when the command game was off, they awarded Falkirk three points. Maybe I don't know if it would be unfair of me to say this, but. Okay, I'll say it anyway. I don't know if it would be possible to give all the teams St. Mirren was playing a point or three points. 
Do you have something against it, man, Michael? <laughs> and they get millions of emails coming in and saying, Michael, what are you saying? That's right. Big... Um, but yeah, you can email us at the lo- locker room. We hate it, man. Com. <laughs> yeah, come on, Morton. No, um, yeah. So, no, I mean, now, now that I say it, and now it's out there in the ethos or ethos or whatever they say, I think that was a bit of a silly comment I made there. So I must apologise. <laughs> but but <laughs> well, you know what I mean, Mav. You no, know. do you know what? Do you know what? No, I mean, I think this, this the, the League Cup thing has made that a proper debate now. Mm. Um, because, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the fact that, you know, like the, the games or if you're not allowed to play because of COVID gets in, that you get a 3-0 defeat. Um, I don't agree with it. But, you know, like the... Because that decision was made for Kilmarnock and was it against Falkirk in the League Cup? Yeah. Um, because that's been made, you know, these are the things that not so much obviously St Mirren won't be bringing it up, but <laughs> every team that St Mirren play will be bringing up the, that as a case in point. You know, like, um, you know, was it Motherwell last week? Uh, I think it's Hamilton this week, did you say? Um, Hamilton this week. Both of these teams will be saying to the, SF, the SPFL, well, hold on a minute, you know, Kilmarnock we're given a 3-0 defeat because of it. Flyer St Mirren getting away with it. So, I mean, it, you might think, I mean, it, I know you said it sort of flippantly and stuff like that, but it's something that needs to, that other teams will be bringing up because I mean, that's what happened. To, you've got to remember, Matthew, St Mirren was playing Sunday last week. I think it was at home and they cancelled the game an hour before the game. Yeah, was it Motherwell? And Motherwell supposedly yeah, were sit- Motherwell, sitting yeah. there. Yeah, they were sitting there. I mean, I heard some one of the Motherwell players talking about this, and they were saying they were sitting in Far Park and they were getting their uh, getting fed for the game, um, and they were ready to go. And then the next thing you know, somebody's running in and saying, "Well, the game's off." Um, so they were prepared for it. But I mean, this is why I think that you know rules should be in place. Maybe not three 0 defeats, but there should be a rule where maybe on the Friday. If these things mm. are starting to come up, the decision is just made quickly rather than it being drawn out to the bitter end. Um, well, I mean, the other thing was, Matthew, if um, St. Mirren was playing Inverness and the game was cancelled and never before the game, Inverness would get hack of F, what, four hours before the game because it's not round the corner. <laughs> no. So Inverness would have made a case to the uh, SPFL to, you know, get some compensation back uh, in terms of the, the transport and the hotel if they go to a hotel before the game or, you yeah, know, whatever. They, they, so, they would have got a refund off the Megabus, so surely the Inverness squad. Yeah, and a wee biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> other bus companies are available. Um, yeah, so, so that's the St. Mirren uh, Hampton But you know game. what? I'm sure we were talking about this on the show last Friday. So I think you we know, were talking about it for the past three or four days, Matthew. Yeah, but you know what? Is, but what I mean is, like Saint Mirren, we knew that Saint Mirren had the problem on Friday. So if mm. there's rules in place, the SF, the SPFL yeah, should yeah. just say, you know, the game's off because there's COVID in the camp now. Yeah, we might investigate it afterwards um, and see if there was any wrongdoing, and that's okay. But at the moment, the game's off and it'll be postponed to a later date. Yeah. If they find that there was any misdemeanours and players were going off to Spain to meet their fancy women or whatever was going on, um, you know, then they can be maybe doled out a 3-0 defeat. But if yeah. it is just a case that you know one of the players has went home to his wife and his wife had it and it spread that way, then the game can be rearranged. I think it seems fairly straightforward to me, but you know, mm. we're talking about it on Friday. And this comes up on Saturday. To me, it just seems absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm not an expert yeah. in football and I don't claim to be a football administrator or anything, but, you know, to me, it's quite simple. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, another way, and, and we can go on and speak about different cases as well, but just listening to Ryan Kresge after the game when, when uh, we were interviewing him and, and they, they were saying, he was saying that. He came back from the Scotland game because uh, it was in that um, where, you know, Stuart Armstrong and Ryan Christie and um, Kevin Tierney. 
and ah. um, he said that he get tested six times, six times, and all of uh, the six times it came back negative. Yet he wasn't allowed to play against Rangers at the weekend. So you know you can have the. I know what you're saying about St. Mathern and all that, but it affects uh, individual players as well, not only the team, you know. Um, but yeah, well, especially especially because Armstrong, the person who had it, played. <laughs> yes, yeah, and also Tierney played as well for Arsenal, so. You know, yeah, um, I mean, a lot of that is Scottish government policy, though. So, I mean, if, if if you know the Scottish government has laid out what should happen, and you know clubs and players fall foul of that, then I think there should be an option to rearrange games mm. um, if it's possible. I mean, I know the League Cup's a bit more difficult because they're trying to fire through as many games as possible in the group stage, so they can finally get to you know the knockout stages. And and okay, maybe that's different, but. In the league, there is still possibilities to rearrange games, and I don't see why players should be or clubs should be um, sort of discriminated against because of COVID nineteen. Because it's not just a normal injury. I mean, obviously, with COVID nineteen, if one player has it, then there's a likelihood that more squad players are going to have it, and coaches are going to have it, and and whatnot. So yeah. it's slightly different, and we need to try and wipe this. COVID, that we need to try and wipe COVID-19 out of the squads as quickly as possible and St Mirren have had a lingering problem for a while but that's because they've been trying to play games and not really cleared it properly it's, they should just call a halt to get it out the squad, out the sort of the club and then start again really I think that's like why I think that's why the, the European football this year Champions League and the Royal Per Cup it's not a week in between the games past year because as you look at all the games, they are all playing next week again. So Celtic and Rangers are back in European action. Whereas if it was last season, they would have been playing in two weeks' time. You know, so I think they want to uh, quick fire through all the European games. Uh, Gusk is a precaution as well. Um, again, I, you know. I mean, again, that seems quite simple to me. You're, what's caused this is Euro 2020 at the end of this mm-hmm. um, because they want to try and complete money, the, all money. The, yeah well money yeah because they want to try and complete the whole thing so they can get to Euro th- 2020 why mm-hmm. not just cancel international football for the time being yeah yeah um, so um, yeah so that's the St. Martin game Hamilton St. Johnson <laughs> how did we get talking about international yeah, football from St. Martin <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe I think that was my fault yeah uh, <laughs> uh, St. Johnson Dundee and Aikig Marwell Ross County Kamalk and Hibs Kamalk and Hibs seems like a decent game to me yeah I mean Hibs again like I mean the top four is kind of set and I think Hibs have had a, a fantastic season uh Nisbet up front has looked outstanding. In fact, you know he's one of the players I think that might go next summer um, to a bigger club because he has just been outstanding this year. Uh, players like Gogic, I think, have made a, a massive difference to Hibs um, because Hibs have always cried out for a sort of central midfielder who could take hold of a game by the scruff of the neck um, and be able to control and dictate games, almost like your Scott Brown sort of character for Celtic or. Um, your Kamara sort of role for Rangers and they finally got that in Gogic and he makes a difference um, I think also Portis at the back has come back he was injured for a lot of last year but he's come back and made a difference to the back line and the goalkeeper even though he's had a bit of a disaster for Israel um, he's always quite solid for Hibs so they've had a really good season um, and Kamara will be a test for them um, but especially because Aberdeen went over them too into third place on uh, the, was it what day was it Tuesday was it I um, yeah. so Aberdeen finally went above them into third place so it's a bit of a um, you know it's the first time Hibs have been really sort of tested and put under pressure in that top three or top two mm. um, so it'll be interesting to see how they react um, yeah but I think I think Hibs will win it I, th- I think uh, I think Hibs have it in them this season to win most of the games outside of Celtic Rangers and Aberdeen. Um, they'll pick up a lot of points that way and then it just depends on how they get on in the other games because, I mean, like you said, I think, or, you know, they played, they got a point off Rangers 
but they lost to Celtic and they lost to Aberdeen. Um, so they're the sort of big games, and so far they've got one point out of out the three. So if Hibs are going to drop or fail in anything this year, it seems to be when they're playing against their challengers, um, they don't seem to be picking up the points as much. Um, but they're doing well against the other teams, and I think that's what's keeping them up there. But when they play Aberdeen next at Pataudry, um that'll be a big one. Yeah. Um, so that's the Saturday games. Two games on Sunday, uh, Aberdeen up against Celtic. That's always a good game up there. And obviously, uh, Rangers against Livingston as well. Um, let's dive into the first division, Matthew, because... I don't know if you saw the Hearts game last week, but I, I, I really enjoyed that game. So Hearts are back on Friday night, well, tonight. Uh, they are playing, um, and I've lost my... Uh, it's went off the page now. <laughs> I'm desperately looking oh, at... Uh, I'm they're looking playing at, our bros. Yeah, I'm looking at Sakage. Uh, that, that's why I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, a both <laughs> uh, quarter eight kickoff. That's on BBC uh, Scotland Channel. And the other games on the Sakage will be um, Air United against Confirmed, um, Dundee against Greenock, Morton, the Mighty Torn, Inverness against Air United, and Queen of the South against Val McDermott's team, Rafe Rovers. I don't know why I say Val McDermott and Rafe Rovers. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that's the weekend's games in the first division and the SPFL. Let's move on now to... Well, but just, um, well just, a, just a quick one before yeah. we leave the football, sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, just to give a shout-out to Hearts, because... We mentioned, uh, we were talking about the Hearts game against Dundee last week and getting excited about it. And I think we, we said that, you know, the marker was put down um, after this game, possibly a marker would be put down to see where we're at in, in the championship season and that the pressure was on Hearts. But it was just really just to say how congratulations to Hearts, really. They've had such a long layoff um, since March last year and obviously an up and down journey with emails and all sorts of things going against them um, but they started off their, well they started off their battle to win the championship really with an amazing 6-2 win over uh, rivals Dundee and um, you know I think I think Hearts took the lead quite early on, they were 2-0 up before Aberdeen, uh, sorry Dundee they were 2-0 up before Dundee even really knew what he'd hit them um, and even though we, I think we picked out Charlie Adam and he did mm. score yeah. Um, but I have to say, Hearts, yeah, yeah, I mean, he looked good too. And um, but I thought Hearts, I mean, six two, that pretty much shows the intent of what Hearts are are up against this year. And, and I, I mean, think they, and I mean, all the goals were quality goals, Mafia. I don't know if you saw any of it, but I, I really enjoyed the game. And yeah, it was good to see Charlie Adam, and he still he, he can still play at a good level. I'm not saying Hearts is not, not a good level. I'm falling out with everybody this week on the show. But, yeah, he's still got it in him because um, they put himself about last week. Yeah, but also you had like, people like... I mean, I didn't know a lot about Michael Smith and Josh Ginley, but he they looked mm. quite good. But even players like uh, Andy Halliday, you forgot he was around. He, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he had a good game and scored on uh, Liam Boyce too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of players. Hearts actually do have the makings of a really decent squad, and I don't know. I mean, my worry was that maybe the layoff it might have been a sort of slow start for them, and like you suggested, because the the championships a bit less games this year, a slow yeah. start would have had a bit of a impact on teams like Hearts. But to start the season with a six two win um, is a really good start, and it lays a marker because uh, not this week, obviously, but next week. Um, it's a big one, Hearts and Hibs, Hearts yeah. and Hibs game, yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll see where how Hearts are really at then. Yeah, of course yeah. they don't need to be at Hibs, they don't have to be at Hibs level at the moment. Um, no. It just sort of gives you an indication. But um, I think they're well good enough to win the championship. And six two against Dundee's just it just shows you where they're you, at. 
you know, it was funny, I was listening to some day during the week and uh, they were calling the Hearts and Dundee game that email Derby. <laughs> they, was it? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, or was it you? <laughs> no? Right, okay. Moving, moving on now. Um, I'm not giving Matthew that point. Um, you know, but no, they said it was an email Derby and I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, Someone's so, snicking yeah. our stuff. Yeah. Oh, we should again. put a copyright on our stuff. Copyright, things, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we are the number one sports show, by the way, uh, just in case you forget. Um, and West Central Living Room. <laughs> yeah. 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 And out of Mongolia. Um, <laughs> so, you got to say that. Um, to the, I did. Um, okay. Um, let's move on to. The women's game now, Matthew, and uh, Glasgow City has been paired up with a team from Ireland in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I saw this today. Um, you know, Glasgow City, they, well, the week started off quite good for them on Sunday. They won the real Glasgow derby. Um, they beat Celtic 2-0 to start off their uh, Scottish Women's Premier League sort of campaign well, um, all that, no? aye so yeah. I mean I've been calling it the real Glasgow Derby all week um, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it is you know it is fully uh, so get, your, started, get your emails in now <laughs> <laughs> so they won the big one they, they beat Celtic 2-0 and obviously you know Celtic have been improving in the women's game and professionalising their set up um, and I was a bit worried about how Glasgow City would react to that um, level of recruitment and finance at Celtic are piling into it but they started their season off uh, their their defence of their title off really well they beat Celtic 2-0 um, and obviously now they've been drawn against P Mount United in the first qualifying round of the Women's Champions League so uh, I think Scott Booth's side I see I feel old now talking about players like or managers like Scott Booth because I remember him as a player yeah. Yeah, so like a few old now. Yeah. And, yeah, he always used to score against teams that I was wanting to do well with. Um, so, and, and Ian yeah. Jess, remember Ian yeah, Jess? Yeah, but I digress. Yeah, both and Jess, I digress. Well, Aberdeen had a, Aberdeen were a good side. Um, but, you know, his team were obviously were seeded and they could have had another Irish team, they could have had Linfield too, um, but they drew P Mount United. Um, I mean, last year uh, we had, you know, we had Glasgow City obviously get into the quarterfinals of the Champions League before they lost a delayed game against Wolfsburg nine one in Spain. You know, Wolfsburg obviously are quite professional, so there was no, there was nothing wrong with that happening. Um, but Glasgow, of Glasgow City, obviously pushed on and um, won the title. Um, I think it was, was it, is this their, not their 14th or their th- the 13th straight SWPL title, possibly? So they've won um, the league. Yeah, 14th, times. yeah. 14th. So, yeah. you know, they've, they're showing a bit of consistency. It's just about of now of how they do in Europe. But I think they've got enough to get past P Mount United. Um, I think they'll get through to the latter stages again. It's just a matter of, you know, how they'll cope against the teams like Wolfsburg when they get to that stage. But I think they've got enough. Um, and like I said, they beat Celtic on on Sunday quite convincingly two 0 um, But I think they're close. Well, some of their closest challengers were also playing Hibs. Uh, Hibs played Spartans, and they started off their campaign with a two-one win. So uh, Glasgow City and Hibs look like they'll be up there challenging again. But I don't think Celtic will be that far behind, given the obviously investment and uh, time that they're putting into the game. Um, at the women's level, and um, they'll have a bit of a challenge this year. It looks actually quite interesting. The um, now um, the it's been on the website for a wee while now, but I'm not sure because it's a one leg tie, Matthew. So it's not coming away, right? But it says here the fourth or uh, the third or fourth of November um, at Peters Hills Park. Uh, that's a junior junior team, but um, yeah. So we'll just keep an eye on that one and see when the date is for that one, like the third or fourth of November. 
Aye, and we've also got, you know, tomorrow, I say tomorrow, I know it'll be today and uh, probably an hour and a half when people are listening to this, but I know it's tomorrow <laughs> for us, but uh, Scotland are playing Albania in the Women's European Championship qualifier at Tynecastle as well. All right, OK, yeah. Uh, aye, so um, I think Scotland are obviously hungry for success to get to the Euro 2021 um, Championship and Shelley Kerr's obviously... Um, really trying to push the boat out to try and get Scotland to qualify for that because obviously Scotland, Scotland's women team have been performing quite well um, they've won I think both of their games so far in the qualifiers um, so I think there's a bit of expectation um, and I mean would you believe it there's expectation for a Scottish side to qualify but I, I think <laughs> there is in the women's game and there's a spot responsibility really I think uh, or a heavy level of responsibility in uh, expectation really that the players have in the women's game but they're coached well um, and I think you know Scotland are obviously the women's game anyway are showing the men how to qualify for tournaments and I think Scotland will go on and do it but that game's tomorrow at Tyne, or today at Tyne Castle in an hour and a half uh, and it's, it's quite exciting to see Scotland doing it and it's quite exciting I think for the next generation of women's footballers to see Scotland qualifying for these major tournaments and, and obviously Glasgow City as well doing doing it in Europe too. Yeah, yeah, that that that's good again. Good luck to Shelley Kerr and the girls uh, tonight if they play at Ten Castle. Um talking about women's sports, Matthew, um I've got a you know how we like to cover cover every single sport in this show because don't we've told you that we are number one for sport on Indivive Re- Regal. Um, we're here every Friday night uh, between six and seven. Well, there's a women's boxing and the world champion Denise Castle will headline an all, believe it or not, and it's good to see an all-female professional boxing event Um Sadly, it's behind close scores in Aberdeen on the 21st of November um, at the Aberdeen North um, Hotel. Um, sorry, the venue is still to be confirmed for that. But yeah, it's just a pity, Mafia, that there's no fa- fans allowed in. But there's a big event happening in Scotland to do with boxing. Yeah, and it's uh well that day is my daughter's birthday. Oh, so, happy birthday, daughter! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Mary's, my youngest Mary's uh, birthday that day. So unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to see any boxing uh, that day. Um, <laughs> but no, it's exciting. I think to have these obviously these events, but especially women's sports because I mean I've got three daughters and. You know, none of them seem to be that interested in sport, and I think a lot of it is because you know men's sports take over the whole calendar, and uh, they can't see a progression. But um, it's good to finally see you know football and boxing having women and the women's game having these sort mm. of spectac- spectator or spectacles really, so they can see that you know the, there's a new there's a well the women's game does have a level a pretty high level to get to and aspiring you know women can or girls can go on to compete at that level so um brilliant you know it'll be good yeah, to watch it's the uh, now Denise castle is the ninth uh, so the on the night there'll be nine fight nine female women and uh, fighters on the card and they will be the first show in the UK to over, oversee by an all-women um, all team of officials as well. So so that's good to see, Matthew, that uh, in the boxing run, not only there will be women boxing, fun enough, that's why it's called boxing. Um, but, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just love how you said there will be nine female women. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but also... Like <laughs> yeah, but also there'll be, um, yeah, there'll, there'll be like uh, umpire, well, not umpires, but re- uh, refs in the, in the ring as well, because before then it was men uh, doing the win- women's boxing, but now it's women's boxing being done by women. That's the way yeah. it should be. Yeah, no, I think I think 
at all levels of sport, you know, I think the, because the men's games suck, or the men's sports kind of pick everything up and become, you know, almost all conquering. Um, I think it is important that, you know, women do have a chance to compete and, you know, that includes aspiring referees as well and um, mm. umpires or whatever the, whatever sport it is, depending on what the officials are called. I think it's important that women have a chance to, to do that. And like, I mean, in an ideal world, you know, everything would be equal. Um, unfortunately, it's not, but it will take um, strong, confident women to be able to bring this on and try and equalise things. And you see it in the Premier League, I think, even the, you know, the men's Premiership, there's a women's lineman. Women, yeah. Yeah, and you kind of think that, I mean, I remember when she came in for the first time, and you kind of thought, yeah. it was the same with Uriah Rennie, you know, one of the first black referees. Right, yeah. you, you kind of thought that they would push on and it would become more common, but sadly, it doesn't seem to be that way. You know, I still remember the, the women lines women, um, <laughs> and I still remember Uriah Rennie has been one of the first black referees. Um, but, no, you know, nothing seems to have moved on from then, and we still seem to be having these debates. So, And there's no reason why, because, I mean, I know a lot of girls and women who like football, um, love playing it, love watching the men's game, but you know, they just don't seem to want to take that jump and compete or become involved, and I think they should. And I know that we we speak about it especially, especially on this show and other shows as well, but women's sports, and we are, I, well, not me, and maybe maybe not you, but one day we might not be surprised that, oh, women's sport, women's boxing, um, you know, that, that should be like the norm. That that should be like um, you know, and women's boxing and women's football that don't make a big deal about it just because that like, you haven't heard of it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you know, suddenly it came out of the blue. You know, yeah. I mean, there was a there was a fair play to uh, Ryan Portis. You know, we were talking about Hibs earlier on, and I mm. think he recently has become the first Scottish footballer to put 1% of his salary into a fund to have fair fair pay for women's athletes across the country, oh, uh, whether good. that be in yeah. football or whatever. I think a few English players have done it, but obviously English players get paid a lot, so what's 1% to mm. an English Premiership player? But obviously Porteous at Hibs isn't paid that much, but he's pledged to put 1% of his salary in per month into the sort of fair pay fund so fair play to him you know I think it's a, a good thing to try and spread the wealth generally but to try and try and spread it um, to to give gender equality a chance is is a pretty fair play thing to do so uh, well done Hibs and well done Portis to, now, for now becoming involved in that Now I'm tempted to make a joke about that about fair play and fair pay to him for doing that but sorry that was a bad joke Matthew sorry <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah and I, I know that um, everybody is tuning in now and say oh, I'm sick of Michael Matthew speaking about other sports let's speak about NFL so yeah we'll speak about NFL now because it's Matthew's NFL we should really have a jingle Matthew Matthews in the jingle on indeed I break it. Anyway, on you go. <laughs> it's rubbish, but you have to listen to it anyway. Got <laughs> <laughs> my jingle the show. There's only one thing I like about you, Matthew, is you're very honest. Well, it's because of all the coffee I'm drinking. I think it's gone to my head over the past hour of this show. <laughs> Is um, it coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying. All, all I'll say is it could, it may or may not be whiskey and it is in a Lion King cup. Which, <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. It is coffee, but it is in a Lion King cup. That's the true part. Coffee? <laughs> um, <laughs> Simba, what's the score <laughs> this weekend? Uh, <laughs> he that he that fool back. <laughs> well, this is—I mean, it's not a complete swear word, but you know, I think when the the Lion King come on and Celtic were playing badly, you know, it kind of tied in because uh, they, some of the like people would be around me and think, "What what do you think of the game, Matthew?" And because the kids love the Lion King, I'd be like, 
the circle of crap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 now I'm singing. It's time to get on there. The Honestly. Now there is a game tonight. Um, so I might stay up to watch that. Well, you've got a choice. You can stay up to watch the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles, or you can watch Donald Trump make a complete arse of himself. It's up to yourself. But uh, <laughs> I think I think I think Trump's on it too, and the Giants are on it uh, quarter past one. So it's up to yourselves. I'll, I'll stay up to watch the Giants Eagle, uh, <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> we lost Michael. Um, so. <laughs> I've been lost for years. Don't worry about it. <laughs> My mum's still looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll stay up and watch the Eagles Giants tonight. Um, <laughs> the, the pick, the pick of the games this weekend: uh, Pittsburgh Steelers against the, tit- the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are without their offensive tackle Taylor Lutton. Um So um, that'll be a big loss for Tennessee, to be honest. Um, although they can run the ball and they're obviously quite good at doing it. In fact, they're one of the probably dominant runners of the ball in the NFL. Um, but because I think they're, they're without one of their main offensive tackles, um, I think the Steelers will probably win this one. But it's a really interesting game. Uh, like I said, I think it's almost 50-50 on, on the voting splits at the moment as to what will happen in this game. But I think I would have went for Tennessee if they were with Taylor, um, but because they're out without him, I think I maybe just have a inkling the Steelers might win it. Uh, Sunday night, uh, the Seattle Seahawks are at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, right now, both of the defenses are struggling, and that's a surprise actually for the Seahawks because over the last ten years, uh, the Seattle Seahawks really have built sides around their really strong defence, but this year their defence has been awful and Arizona Cardinals haven't been much better, um, so I think the quarterback, Russell Wilson, will be the difference here, and I think Seattle Seahawks will win the game um, because of his quality, but I mean, both the def- defences are terrible, but I could see Russell Wilson putting up a cricket score here against Arizona Cardinals. Um and then on Monday, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the defences are quite good for the Raiders and Buccaneers. So um, it'll be a quite tight game that way. But I think Tom Brady could be the difference here um, because defences are so good. Uh, Tam- obviously, Tom Brady is the GOAT, the greatest of all time Super, um, Super Bowl champions and quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think Tampa Bay will get it done this weekend because Tom Brady's slightly better um, than, Oakland, than the oh, Oakland Raiders. I was going to say Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so I think uh, Tom Brady will get that done there and, and win it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I promise no more Lion King songs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on first then um, b- before Matthew um, gets into um, Beauty and the Beast. Um, well, we can start singing here. Come Santa Claus, here come Santa Claus. <laughs> this is mask on. Um, okay, so what kind of Santa Claus are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, just before we go, and I mean just before we go, um, <laughs> Matthew's got a bit of rugby news. Um, well, I'll be quick. Uh, obviously, this weekend, <laughs> this weekend, <laughs> obviously, this weekend is the uh, first game tomorrow. It's t- again, it's tonight, actually. I'm saying tomorrow, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's tonight at 7.30 when you're listening to it. Scotland, they're playing Georgia in a warm up. International at Murrayfield. Um, it's quite good because obviously two South African players, uh, Van der Merva and Cable, will make their Scotland debuts uh, against Georgia. Um, obviously, they qualify for Scotland on residency grounds. The but the Edinburgh winger and the Glasgow Warriors prop have obviously had really good seasons uh, this year and last. So on residency res- residency grounds. Uh, they're making their debuts for Scotland uh, later on tonight. Uh, Fraser Brown will captain Scotland for the first time. Um, so that'll be quite interesting. And basically Finn Russell, who um, has obviously been in a bit of a running battle with Gregor Townsend. Um, 
he is is probably going to come back into the fold as well. The Racing 92 fly half actually has been amazing. I mean, before we started this show, I, I saw them playing down at Munster. Um, Racing 92, Munster. And Finn Russell really was man of the match. Um, so I think that's an improvement from Scotland. Obviously, Adam Hastings retains number 10 as well. Scotland are going into this with a bit of form, um, which is quite exciting for a change. So I think Scotland against Georgia. Scotland, again, rang up, they'll, they'll round up a cricket score probably against Georgia. Um, but it's good just to get them back in the fold after being out of the international games so long. And then obviously they can kick on and finish off the Six Nations and, and go on to the new tournament that's going to be in November. But um, things are looking good for Scotland there and I'm looking forward to seeing the South African players making their debuts. And I think next week on the show we'll look at the Six Nations, Matthew, because some of the games are uh, next weekend as well as the Scottish Cup as well. So quite a busy show next week. And Matthew will be back with his uh, Beauty and the Beast outfit on. Or, well, not outfit on, but... So, actually, actually, hold on. Uh, beside me here, hold on. I've, I'm Russell Malay. Hold on. Right beside me, I have a Superman outfit. I've got a Batman outfit. And I'm assuming this isn't mine, a Wonder Woman outfit. I don't know that. I don't right, okay. I think, <laughs> I think, that's, I think that's where they tend to go there. Now, um, yeah, well, um, it's been nice knowing you all. And uh, we'll speak to you in the jail somewhere um, and stuff. So, yeah, um, have a good week. And we'll speak to you next week here uh, on Indie Live, Indie Live Radio. <laughs> Uh, bye bye for now. <laughs> bye.